Zach Wilson is struggling. How worried should the Jets be, and what should they do about it? We'll talk about all this and more on today's episode of the Locked On Jets podcast. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Jets podcast for Tuesday, December 14th, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com, and thank you for making this show your first listen each day. Today we are going to talk about Zach Wilson. I don't think it's any secret that the rookie quarterback is struggling quite a bit for the Jets, and this is the most important issue facing the team. Wilson is not the only Jet who played poorly on Sunday, but most of the other guys who were bad in that game really don't factor into the long-term plan for the Jets. These are guys who obviously need to be replaced and will be replaced. The 2022 Jets are going to look very different from the 2021 Jets. And frankly, a lot of the guys who played on Sunday really did not factor into the short-term plan for the Jets at the beginning of the season. It's just they've been pressed into playing because of injuries. The next few years of the franchise depend on Zach Wilson developing. So I think we have to begin by asking... How worried should the Jets be about Wilson's struggles? Now, on one level, you could argue that Wilson is a rookie. You expect rookies to struggle out of the gate. So there's nothing really to worry about right now. The thing is, there are degrees of badness when it comes to quarterback play. Mark Sanchez was a bad NFL quarterback. Christian Hackenberg was a bad NFL quarterback. But they were different levels of bad. You could win games with Mark Sanchez as your quarterback if you gave him a good running game, if you gave him a good defense, if you asked him to maybe hit a couple clutch drives, if you gave him quality receivers. He was not so bad that you were guaranteed to lose if he was your quarterback. Now, he was not good enough to carry a team, but he was not going to drag you down if everything else was working. That's one level of bad. Christian Hackenberg was another level of bad. You could not win a game if you played Christian Hackenberg. That's the reason the Jets never played him. Because you just could not win with a quarterback who was that inaccurate, who had very little redeeming about his game. On the same note, Geno Smith was a bad NFL quarterback. So was Bryce Petty. Again, you could win games with Geno Smith as your quarterback. He brought a few elements to the field where he could put together a clutch drive when he needed it. He could hit his first read when he, when he was open. He had a big arm. He had some athleticism. Now, he did not bring enough where you could feel confident with him as your starting quarterback, but you could win games with Geno Smith. With Bryce Petty, you could not. Bryce Petty had one career win. It was against a horrible San Francisco team in 2016. Again, Bryce Petty was a different level of bad. There's one level of bad where you just don't have the tools to be a successful starting quarterback in the NFL, and there's another level where you just cannot function as a quarterback in the NFL. So it's not good enough to just say, oh, he's a rookie quarterback, you expect him to be bad. The question is how bad. So yesterday I used this website called StatHead, which essentially allows you to compare players. It allows you to search for players who have hit certain criteria. And I took a look at some of Zach Wilson's relevant numbers so far this season. Now, Zach does not have a great completion percentage. Right now it's 56.1%. That's not very good accuracy, but completion percentage does not mean everything. There are, uh, there are some quarterbacks who like to throw the ball deep, and those plays tend to result in fewer completions. 
but they're more productive. So sometimes you'll see a quarterback who doesn't have a great completion percentage, but his yards per attempt are really high because he throws lower percentage passes that produce bigger gains. And that's a perfectly valid way to play quarterback. Unfortunately for Zach, his yards per attempt are also very low, 6.1 yards per attempt. That's not very great. There's another question, though. If you're not making big plays, are you at least protecting the football? And again, for Zach, the answer is no. He's got a 3.9% interception rate, which is the second highest in the NFL right now. So there's not really anything you can say Zach is doing well. And that goes just when we're talking about numbers. When you're talking about his actual performance on the field, there's also very little you, you can say he's doing well. But I'm using numbers. And essentially what I wanted to figure out is who are other quarterbacks who have had comparable years to what Zach is doing right now? And the reason I wanted to look at this is to figure out, okay, Zach is not doing very well right now. Who are quarterbacks who have had comparable years to what he's doing right now, and how many of them have bounced back to have quality careers? I did not limit the search to rookies, but what I did was I, I looked at every season since 2000, and I looked for quarterbacks who have been as bad or worse in those three statistics, completion percentage, yards per attempt, and interception rate. And I wanted to make sure that I had guys who actually had a decent sample size, so I limited the search to guys who started at least eight games in the season in question. And I only put it back to 2000 because you get to a certain point and you're comparing eras and numbers have a different context to numbers today. It's become much easier over the last few decades to throw the football in the NFL. That's because of advances in schemes. It's because of changes to the, to the rule book that have made pass interference a much more common occurrence. It's limited what defenders can get away with in coverage. So you lose a certain degree of relevancy if you go too far back. The worst quarterback numbers today would be pretty good for a few decades back. So I only went back to 2000. And I wrote an article about this on gangreennation.com. So I apologize if you've already read the article and you know the answer to this. But these are the quarterbacks who have put together comparable seasons to Zach Wilson in 2021 over the last two decades. And I did not limit it again to rookies because I was just looking for a, as broad of a net as I could cast out. Now, I'll give you the good news. Matthew Stafford's rookie season fit the criteria. And Matthew Stafford's an excellent quarterback. He played very well last night on Monday Night Football. At his best, Matthew Stafford has been a legitimate franchise quarterback, a legitimate top 10 quarterback. So Matthew Stafford's on the list. This shows you that it's possible to overcome a season like this because we have a quarterback who's done that. And Matthew Stafford in Detroit, the season in question, it was his rookie season. And there's a degree of overlap to what Zach Wilson is going through right now. Because Stafford was drafted by Detroit after they went 0-16. Now, the Jets did not go 0-16 last year, but they were one of the worst teams in the NFL. It was a season where they really bottomed out. And Detroit had a number of really bad years before Stafford arrived there. And they were kind of in the beginning of an overhaul. And that season, they were 2-14. and Stafford struggled, but he eventually grew into a franchise quarterback. So that's the good news. The bad news is every other quarterback on the list who fit this criteria because it's essentially a list of guys who were either journeymen who never amounted to anything or it's essentially a list of the biggest first-round draft busts of the last 
25 years at the quarterback position. I mean, let me give you some of the names. We have Quincy Carter, we have Doug Peterson, we have A.J. Feely, and we have Andrew Walter. And then we have Ryan Leaf, Jamarcus Russell, Deshaun Kaiser, Joey Harrington, and Kyle Bowler. So Quincy Carter, Doug Peterson, A.J. Feely, Andrew Walter, guys who never really were expected to amount to anything, had these types of seasons and never grew. But these other guys, I mean, Ryan Leaf, Jamarcus Russell, those are the two names that come up as the biggest quarterback busts of the last 30 years in the NFL. Joey Harrington, Kyle Bowler, both infamous busts. And Deshaun Kaiser, you know, was a second-round pick, but a guy who was terrible, who never started a game after his rookie season. So that's the company Zach Wilson's keeping right now. And beyond that, I did another search. I looked at ESPN's QBR metric, which kind of encapsulates the quality of quarterback play. Right now, Zach Wilson's got the lowest QBR in the NFL at 24. It's a scale of 1 to 100. That's really bad. Let me give you some context here. Last year, you're not going to be surprised. Sam Darnold had the worst QBR in the NFL. It was 32.9. Zach Wilson's at 24. And beyond that, ESPN keeps QBR numbers going back to 2006. Zach Wilson right now is the only quarterback since 2018, Josh Rosen, to qualify having enough attempts, having enough experience, playing enough games. Since 2018, he's the only one under 25. Josh Rosen, 2018, was the last one to be under 25. And going back all the way to 2006, I mean, these are the quarterbacks who have put together lower QBRs in a single season than Zach Wilson has right now. Blaine Gabbert in 2011, Jimmy Clausen in 2010, and Andrew Walter in 2006. Andrew Walter appears in both lists for his 2006 performance with the Raiders. So I don't think you could look at this and just say Zach Wilson's having rookie struggles. Zach Wilson right now is in a club with some of the worst quarterbacks, some of the worst first-round busts in history. So I don't think you can look at this and necessarily say, oh, it's just rookie struggles. I'm not saying Zach Wilson is a bust right now. Again, you have outliers. You have Stafford. That can give you a little bit of hope. But I think you have to say that this is alarming. Now, ahead here on the Locked On Jets podcast, now that we have this information, we're going to talk about what the Jets can and should do. And this Sunday will be a big game for Zach. I'm sure you're going to want to watch it, but the Jets are not very good right now. There's a decent chance they're going to be blown out. And you may be interested in some other players across the league because it's fantasy playoff season. You may want to have a second TV, maybe another screen where you can watch games and keep tabs on the action. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites like never before so you can watch all your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling contracts and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part is there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Thanks again for making Locked On Jets your first listen each day. Today we are talking about Zach Wilson. In the first segment, I tried to contextualize Wilson's struggles to this point, and what I found was pretty alarming. Now in this segment, we're going to talk about what the Jets should do about it. And I find myself surprised by what I'm about to say, because I've discussed this a couple times in recent weeks, and I've kind of dismissed the idea. But I think we have reached a point where... The Jets cannot go into the 2022 season and just hand Zach Wilson the starting job. Now, does that mean you're giving up on Zach Wilson? 
I guess it kind of depends on how you define giving up on a quarterback. Because I think in the NFL, in the media, the way teams operate, if you are not 100% handing everything to a young quarterback, I think there's a perception that you're giving up on him. I have a different view, though. I don't think it's giving up on a quarterback forcing him to compete for a job. I don't think it's giving up on a quarterback to bring in somebody else. Listen, the Jets are going to probably have at least three quarterbacks in training camp next year, and the three quarterbacks should be the best three quarterbacks they can find. And there are a couple of different factors that go into determining the best. Part of it is how good are you now, but part of it's also potential. There's no question that Zach Wilson's going to be one of the three best quarterbacks under that criteria, probably more potential than ability right now. But he's going to be a top three quarterback the Jets will be able to procure this offseason. So he should be in training camp. I'm not saying you cut him. I'm not saying you get rid of him. I'm not saying you trade him. You don't need to. He's under contract for a couple more seasons. It doesn't make sense to get rid of him. That's different from not just handing him the starting position, though. The problem in the NFL is I think there's this perception that if you draft somebody in the first round, you have to hand everything to him. And it's just not a good way to go. And I think there are a couple of different reasons teams operate this way. The first is, quite frankly, general managers are kind of in self-preservation mode. You bring in another quarterback to compete with the guy you drafted. You get criticized in the media. You say, oh, what, you don't believe in him? You maybe have to answer to ownership. Owners probably looking at this saying, you just drafted this guy last year. I had to give him a big contract. I'm paying him all this money. You don't believe in him. But I don't think that that's a very good approach for general managers. And I think in many ways it could be self-destructive because ultimately you're going to get criticized no matter what you do. What preserves your job is not avoiding short-term criticism. It's in finding the right guy for your franchise. Now, the other issue that I see that leads teams to act this way is there's this worry that if you have a second guy in the locker room, if there's a competition, it could divide things. You could end up with guys in one camp, guys in another camp. The quarterback competition, quarterback controversy is going to be a big topic in the media. That one's a little bit more fair. I have to say, I think that that can be an issue. But it's not the only consideration. Teams act like this is the only consideration out there that because there's a potential for a quarterback controversy, because there's potential for some issues in the locker room, that we should avoid this at all costs. It's almost like teams are more afraid of a potential distraction than they are of losing games because your quarterback isn't good enough. Sometimes you want competition in there. The way teams operate in the NFL, you would think that they need to hit on 100% of their quarterback decisions, that we draft this guy and he's our only option. Here's the thing, though. NFL teams are terrible at evaluating quarterbacks. Look at all the guys who are busts, who are first-round picks, second-round picks, early picks. NFL teams are awful at picking quarterbacks, and yet they limit their options to be right. And the thing about the NFL is that you don't need to be right 100% of the time at the quarterback position. You just need to be right. It doesn't matter how many swings of the bat you take. You just got to get the right guy in there. The perception in the NFL, however, is that you have to be right 100% of the time. And this is one of the things that drives me crazy about the NFL is we get like this conventional thinking and nobody ever tests it out. Nobody ever sees to whether it holds up to scrutiny. Because I can give you plenty of examples of teams that were criticized that gave themselves more than one opportunity to get it right at the quarterback position. Let's go back a few years. Let's go back to 2012. I can give you two examples from that draft class. Seattle drafted Russell Wilson in the third round. They had just given a moderate contract to Matt Flynn, former Green Bay backup. They got criticized. Now, some of it was people did not really believe in Russell Wilson. And that's one thing. It's one thing to miss on a player evaluation. I see plenty of 
mocking talent evaluators in the media who did not think Russell Wilson was going to be that good. Look, nobody knew what Russell Wilson was going to be. Anybody who's like looking back at that 2012 draft class saying, oh, this member of the media didn't think Russell Wilson was going to be good. Nobody did. You didn't think he was going to be as good as he's turned out to be. So that's one thing. And listen, getting evaluations right is difficult. That's the whole point right here is that it's difficult to be right on a quarterback. The issue with some of the analysis on the Russell Wilson pick is people were upset with Seattle because they had just brought in Matt Flynn. And people were saying, oh, well, you don't believe in Matt Flynn? I don't know it's that they lacked faith in Matt Flynn, although I think they probably would have been right if they were not 100% convinced that Matt Flynn was their quarterback because Matt Flynn turned out to not be their quarterback. It turned out to be Russell Wilson. They wanted to give themselves as many chances as possible to get it right. Nobody cares now that they wasted money on Matt Flynn. I understand the idea that you want to be efficient with your spending, but... There are some things that are just so important that you want to give yourself as much of an opportunity to get it right as possible. And when you bring in more than one quarterback, you're pretty much guaranteeing that you're not using your resources as efficiently as they could possibly be used. But this is so important that it's okay to waste resources trying to find a quarterback because getting it right matters so much. It matters more to find the right quarterback than it does to bat 1,000. I mean, another example from that draft class was Washington drafting Robert Griffin uh, second overall. They traded up for him. They gave up a number of future first-round picks. Their next selection that year was in the fourth round. It was Kirk Cousins. Much of the criticism of that pick was not so much because evaluators believed Cousins was a bad value at the time. It's because Washington had traded up for RG3, and people said, well, Cousins is never going to see the field in an ideal world. Well, we don't live in an ideal world. Robert Griffin III had a phenomenal rookie season. Then he suffered an injury that kind of destroyed his career. It turned out Washington looked pretty intelligent by drafting Kirk Cousins in the fourth round. Let me give you one other example. Let's go back a few years before that. Green Bay 2008. Brett Favre has just retired. Aaron Rodgers is ready to take over as the quarterback. But nobody really knows how good Aaron Rodgers is. And it's very easy to forget how controversial it was at the time that Green Bay was ready to move on from Favre. He retired early early that offseason He then returned in training camp, but that's how he ended up being traded to the Jets, and Green Bay had just decided we're moving on. But before Favre returned, Rodgers was ready to take over as the quarterback. They got to the draft. Green Bay actually took two quarterbacks that year. In the second round, they took Brian Brom, and later on, at the end of the draft, they selected the aforementioned Matt Flynn. Now, you tell me this. Did drafting Brian Brom create a huge controversy in Green Bay? Did it divide the locker room? Or did Aaron Rodgers just go out there and destroy Brian Brom and show that this was my job? Did drafting Brian Brom destroy Aaron Rodgers' confidence? No, of course not. Did it have negative long-term implications for Green Bay? No. And does anybody remember the fact Green Bay wasted a second-round pick on Brian Brom? No. Was it a great pick? No, of course not. Does anybody care now that they wasted a pick on a quarterback? No. And I think ultimately the process was good because they gave themselves as many opportunities to get it right at quarterback as they could. Did that mean that they completely lacked faith in Aaron Rodgers? No, but they realized, you know, first of all, you want to have quarterback depth, but second of all, you want to give yourselves as many opportunities to get it right as possible. So I'll praise them even though it was a bad pick because it proves the point that just bringing in another quarterback isn't enough to destroy the incumbent starter if the incumbent starter is good enough. So... I look at Zach Wilson's struggles, and you heard the guys I compared him to. It's not so much me comparing him to those guys as it is that's the level he's produced at 
so far. I think the Jets have to bring in a quarterback this offseason. Now, you look at this draft class. Is there a quarterback who's going to be worthy of one of the Jets' early first-round picks? They're probably going to have two picks pretty high in the first round. I don't know about that. But you get to round two, round three, and there's a guy you think could potentially be pretty good, a guy who has some tools. I'm not sure you pass on him. Now, I'm not saying you go in with the mindset we have to draft a quarterback no matter what. That's a very destructive mindset. It's a mindset that really hurts teams quite a bit. And, you know, I hate to say it, but it's hurt the Jets in the past. In 2018 with Darnold, they pretty much had to go into that draft to get a quarterback. And I hate to say it again, in a few years, it's possible we look at the same concept within the 2021 draft where they went into that class feeling like they needed to get a quarterback. You don't. You never go in saying, we're going to draft a player at this position no matter what. Even if you, you're kind of leaning one way, if it's the strength of the class at this position and we have a need there, you never go in 100% saying that. But if you get to round two, round three, round four, and there's a player you think is good and has the tools, I don't think Zach Wilson's a good enough reason to pass on that quarterback because it's not going to destroy Zach Wilson if Zach Wilson's good enough. I'll go back to the Green Bay example. And I go back to the other examples. I think there's this fear among NFL fans that their team is going to give up on a young quarterback too soon when he struggles, and that quarterback's going to go elsewhere and have a lot of success and make you look bad. But if you look across the current NFL, there are not many examples of quarterbacks who teams gave up on too early. Ryan Tannehill in Miami going to Tennessee might be the only one I can come up with. However, I think teams and fans don't think about the risk of passing on a quarterback because you're going to give your guy another year. I think the mindset is always, well, let's give him one more year. If he doesn't pan out, we can take a quarterback next year. But sometimes this mindset can cost you a really good quarterback. I'll give you a couple examples from 2017, the Jets. The Jets kind of had the mindset that we know now that, well, let's give Christian Hackenberg another look. So let's pass on Patrick Mahomes. That same year, Jacksonville, let's give Blake Bortles another year. A team that almost went to the Super Bowl the following season and had a big issue at quarterback. They drafted Leonard Fournette over Patrick Mahomes. We always think about the risk of letting the guy we have go too soon. We don't think about the risk enough of passing on the guy who could be great to give our current guy another year. It's a risk, and it does come back to hurt teams. And again, maybe this is not the proper context, because I'm not saying you have to give up on Zach Wilson, but I am saying that you got to be open to other possibilities right now based on what we've seen from him so far. And maybe it's not the draft. Maybe you just bring in a veteran to push him. Maybe you bring in a veteran, and if the veteran's better, he starts. Because, quite frankly, if Zach Wilson can't beat out a veteran stopgap, he has no business being the starting quarterback on this football team. But, of course, there still is some time left in the 2021 season. So ahead here on the Lockdown Jets podcast... I'll talk about some of the things I'll be looking for over the final four weeks from Zach Wilson to show some degree of progress and at least end this rookie season on a positive note. Of course, Zach will be playing quarterback for the Jets in Miami this weekend where it's not that cold. It is, however, getting pretty cold in the New York area. You might want to bundle up if you're going outside for activities. And you may have heard a lot about Stance Apparel lately, especially because they just launched a new line of active apparel. Plus, it is holiday gifting time, and Stance is the coolest gift you can give. Founded in 2009, Stance Apparel represents a radical reinvention of socks, underwear, and active apparel. With a sharp focus on comfort, quality, and creativity, Stance brings an atypical aesthetic alongside some of pop culture's hottest collaborators, for the ultimate in style and self-expression. 
because everything you wear should be a direct extension of who you are and how you feel. Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in, that those who feel good do good. So go see for yourself. Register for an account at stance.com and get 15% off your first purchase. Use promo code LOCKEDON to check, at checkout to apply. Again, it's an account at stance.com, promo code LOCKEDON, one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for 15% off your first purchase. Enjoy the color and comfort of a less ordinary with Stance. Of course, the Jets will not be in the Super Bowl this season, but Super Bowl 56 at SoFi is less than 100 days away, and On Location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL, is the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star LA hotels, and food by the great Wolfgang Puck. Visit onlocationexp.com SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. Again, that's onlocationexp.com SB56 or search Super Bowl on location. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Tuesday, talking about Zach Wilson's struggles this season. In the first segment, I contextualized how bad Zach has been so far. In the second segment, I talked about what probably needs to happen this offseason. I do not think the Jets can just hand Zach Wilson these, this starting job uncontested heading into 2022. And that's a change for me because I did not think there was any way that was possible. But we've reached a point where these struggles are so pronounced that I think it's going to have to happen. In this final segment, we're going to talk about what Zach needs to do over the final four games to at least alleviate some of the concerns out there. Because there are four games left, and he he can at least end the season on a positive note. Now, we've seen young Jets quarterbacks have very strong finishes to their rookie season and not really build on it. Mark Sanchez winning a couple playoff games playing well. Geno Smith had a good final couple games of his 2013 rookie campaign. Sam Darnold had a couple good games near the end of 2018. Playing well near the end of the season doesn't necessarily mean that you're on the path to success, but you got to have something. I mean, at this point, I don't think you have a lot you can hang your hat on with Zach Wilson. And here's the thing. You know, I talked about statistics. Sometimes numbers don't tell the whole story. But in this case, I think they do because I don't know what you can point to that Zach Wilson does well at the quarterback position right now. And the first couple games in his career have been so shaky that I feel like he needs to put together a string of successful games. I want to see three or four straight good games because we haven't gotten that from him. In fact, I think we've only gotten like three good halves of football so far this season. So what are the areas you're looking at? Well, the first is obviously accuracy. He is so inaccurate on short passes. I mean, there are even some of the completions. The receivers have to adjust. He's not hitting guys in stride, leaving some yak yardage on the field. Got to see much better accuracy from Zach. Reads have to get better. I mean, it, that had improved a little bit since he returned from the injury, but I still don't think he's making a ton of great reads. I think that there are some misses he's, he's making out there beyond that pocket presence. He's got to learn to climb the pocket. This was an issue that I saw at BYU. This was one of the reservations I had about him. And I have to be honest with you, there were lots of good things I saw at BYU. And this is, I think this is the big problem is that all of the bad things I saw at BYU have been obvious with the Jets. And you haven't seen any of the good things from BYU. And one of the issues I thought he had at BYU was pocket presence. Not so much breaking the pocket when things broke down, not so much you know, off-platform throws, leaving the structure of the place, scrambling around, but just maneuvering in the pockets. The subtle moves, you know, stepping up so a pass rusher flies past you. These are the things, you know, sliding a little bit to your left or your right. 
to increase your the quality of your your vision your throwing lane these are the things that have been lacking so those are three things in particular i'm going to be looking for again i want to see these things three straight games four straight games because part of this is just it's gotten to the point where there's not a lot you can point to that's been good these other jets quarterbacks i've mentioned you know sanchez gino sam they all at least had stretches where he said okay he puts it together he, he does this over the long haul, he's going to be okay. We haven't seen that from Zach yet. So this has to be the stretch because we're out of time. You know, these, these other quarterbacks had those stretches a little bit earlier in their seasons. And of course they did finish strong. Finishing strong doesn't guarantee anything for Zach, but it at least can give you some degree of confidence. It can, it can at least alleviate some of these concerns that he has brought about. And you hope that he does. We'll talk about it plenty in the days and weeks ahead. But that's all for today's show. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy the show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. Thanks, as always, for making Locked On Jets your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Locked On Bets, your one-stop daily shop for all your gambling needs, Locked On Bets. Hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Hope you have a great Tuesday. Send in your mailbag questions. Tomorrow is our weekly mailbag show here on Locked On Jets.